The problems we see in the Australian housing market are not just going to be felt for the next 24 months, but could be a problem we face for the next decade. So if you are interested in what my thoughts are around building approvals, why we're lagging so behind and how this crisis is getting worse, then definitely keep watching. Hey guys, my name's Ravi and welcome back to Personal Finance with Ravi Sharma. If you're new here, smash that subscribe button because I talk about real estate, cryptocurrency and financial freedom. Now, happy 2024. This is the first YouTube video of the year and I'm glad that you can join me. At the start of the year, we've got all this energy around going from the holidays to then having our goals set up and we say, okay, I'm gonna achieve so much more this year. I ran a poll on the YouTube channel through the community tab, which you'd get access to if you subscribe, so you should probably subscribe. And on there, a lot of you guys are looking at buying an investment product property this year. And I'm really excited for you because at the end of the day, we have seen time and time again how real estate performs so well over the longer term and how a lot of Australians park a lot of their wealth in real estate. So you're in the right place if you are looking for help, free videos all around. And if you are interested in a free ebook to get you started on that journey, then definitely look at the link in the description below where you can download it completely for free. Now to keep it really simple here, what we know is real estate is a game of supply and demand. That is not unique to just Australia, it is worldwide. It's just basic economics. So if you have more demand than supply, you'll see prices go up. And if you have more supply than demand, then you have to see prices come down. So just know that prices follow demand. So if we've got an amazing amount of demand coming into Australia for housing, not just from people here that live here, but also migrants and expats and people living overseas, then you know price go up. Now, although this video is gonna be more about the supply side, I think it's very important we touch on the demand side and it's largely driven by interest rates. Now we know that interest rates are going to be our biggest barrier that stops us from borrowing more. I've had conversations with so many of you guys over this Christmas break where you're saying, I'm making like 150, 200K household income. How am I not able to borrow? This doesn't make any sense. When I speak to brokers, they're having the same conversations and it's like, well, that's what the calculator is chucking out to us. And it's because of two reasons. One, interest rates are so high. And two, you've got buffer rates on top of those interest rates that makes it near impossible to borrow. I know that some people may come out and say, well, interest rates aren't that high. You can probably still get a rate between six and 7%. That's not that high compared to like 10, 15 years ago. Correct. However, 10, 15 years ago, you also didn't have buffer rates and all of these other buffers that the banks were putting in. Back then, it was like a free-for-all. You could do whatever you like. Now, not so much. And that's why it's actually so difficult to borrow. And that's only part of the problem. Because if you just had borrowing capacity issues, we should have seen prices drop. Not only did we not see prices drop, they actually increased. So now most people, including yourself, might be facing the problem where it's harder to borrow. And then not only that, but it's so hard to get a deposit fast enough before the market keeps moving. Because the market's moving faster than what we can save our money at. So that's a little bit about the demand side. We also have migration at such record levels. Although it's starting to taper off, we are still so high and we're only feeling it more so because for a couple of years, we had no migrants coming into the country. Now, all of a sudden you have this backlog and all of these people come into the country. You've got these initiatives by the government to say, make the process of obtaining a visa a lot easier. So people are migrating here and they're spending everything they can on housing. Shelter is the basis of everything. And that is the reason why I love residential property over commercial property. Yes, there are some amazing benefits to commercial property. But if you look at residential, you're like, I know that we have a shortage. We can't build enough homes and you definitely need to live in a home. It's either the price goes up or the rent goes up. With a commercial property, you don't really need that. And I would go to say that the dynamics have really changed around office spaces. I know there's still areas in Sydney where the vacancy rates for office spaces are like greater than 60%. So you're getting no cash flow there. But other aspects of commercial property have been doing really well. So building expert says that 1.2 million new homes target can't and won't happen. We've said this on the channel 
panel time and time again. The National Cabinet announced in August 23 a five-year plan to build 1.2 million new dwellings beginning the 1st of July 2024. 2024's kicked in. We're less than seven months away from this actually kicking off. So how are we tracking? Well, Australia's record for new home construction was around 223,000 in 2017, and it's illustrated here as the biggest increase. And we can see that right here. It was the peak of building. And this was greater than when we actually had all these home builder stimulus packages coming in as well. So if we do some simple maths here, we say, okay, the highest we've produced is 223,000, and that happened to be like seven years ago. What we're suggesting now is we're not only gonna eclipse that, but we're gonna eclipse that every single year for like five or six years to get to our magical target. Sounds like a fantasy land. If at this point you thought I was talking about Narnia and not Australia, you would be forgiven because these numbers don't make sense. I think at this point, they literally say, well, that sounds like a good number. Let's say 1 million, but that sounds like we didn't really do our due diligence. Let's say 1.2 million, then people take us really seriously. The National Cabinet's 1.2 million homes target has already gotten off to a rotten start. With forward-looking construction indicators crashing to around decade lows, only 164,200 homes were approved for construction in the year to October according to the ABS, which is 56,000 fewer than the target. What we need this graph to be doing is go the opposite way. And you can see that in 2017, if we had really large numbers of actual construction happening, it's the years previous to that that gives the indication of how many will come. And what you can see is from 2011 all the way through to about 2016, we were just going on a massive parabolic run when it came to dwelling approvals. All we saw was a lot of approvals coming in the system. And then in 2017 and 2018, you start delivering that. If we're now looking at where we're at in 2023, this number continues to drop. And that means in the next 24 months, we have a problem because if there's not enough approvals today, how do you think anyone's gonna have completed these builds in two years time? No approvals means no completions. You can't have one without the other. And when we're starting to look at loans for the purchase or construction of new homes, we can see it peaked out in 2020. And all we've done, we've gone down, down, down. And that almost sounded like coals. Down, down, prices are down. Man, at this point, I don't know why you follow this channel. But you can see these are levels even below 2008. And that is such a cause of concern and is largely driven by the fact that we have interest rates so high. So going back to the first problem, which is if there's no demand, then how do you go out there and say, get approvals for construction of new homes? Who's gonna build these new homes? You've got builders having issues with the fact that profit margins have now deteriorated as well. Now, looking at Sydney specifically, the number of new homes completed in Sydney during 2023 was 42% lower than 2018 as interest rate pressures and inflating building costs hampered residential construction. Despite strong population growth and persistent claims, the city is in the grip of a housing supply crisis. Sydney added just 32,600 new dwellings in the year to December 31, well short of 56,500 new dwellings built in 2018. So we're seeing this problem within Sydney. We're also seeing it on a national level as well. Now there's always gonna be suburbs that are gonna be oversupplied. You suddenly have these towers of new units going up and you go, okay, well, you're telling me supply and demand, right? If supply so low, anything I buy should go up. But that's why you need to look at unique investments. You need to go out there and say, okay, if I buy a new house and land package here, am I gonna make money on here? Is this unique? Well, is it really when there's like 300 others also doing the same thing and they're right next to each other? Probably not gonna appreciate that much in price relative to an area that might just have a boutique unit investment and you'd go, okay, well, the house should outperform the units, but no, it doesn't work like that. It's how many can be supplied relative to the demand that's in that area. That's why you'll often see 
meet so many people flogging off these house and land packages and it's gonna be the best thing ever. But there's areas even in Sydney where over the last 24 months, those properties have been dog shit. They haven't done anything. If you had gotten out and bought like an old unit in a different area that had better fundamentals, you would have outperformed something that was nice and flashy in Sydney. Although you're watching this video and saying, okay, supply looks like it's absolutely shit. If I'm investing in this market, I need to get in quickly so I can make my money. You need to be very careful where you buy because yes, you might see that approvals are low at the moment and the completions won't be there in 24 months. But what happens if there's no demand in that area? Why would anyone want to move there? And that's why you've got to look at leading indicators when you're going out there and investing. This graph here, shows new dwellings completed in Sydney and you can see systematically downtrend from 2018. We're starting to taper off here and it's starting to level out but these are levels that we should not be proud of because they're levels at which we've seen like around 2013-2014. So almost 10 years ago is what we're seeing these numbers compared to. Naturally what you'll see as a result of all of this is the argument around housing affordability. So you go okay well no one can afford to buy a house and this is such a big problem because people need shelter. So what's the next best thing? Okay well tell everyone to go rent somewhere and in previous cycles you would have said yeah okay that's not a bad option people still have options out there they can go and rent here they can't afford Sydney move one hour to the north or the south and you'll probably find something there or you could go regional you could go interstate and live on the other side of Australia but not anymore because what we've seen is rents increase at such a rapid pace if you want to know what the actual rental crisis looks like for 2024 and beyond definitely leave me a comment down below saying rental crisis and that'll be the next video I make on this channel now further to the point around population change and dwelling approvals what we can see is in the red population change and blue is the completions. I've shown a similar graph before and what we could see is that we needed to see this blue line start going the other way and we needed to see the red line start tapering off and we haven't seen that. If you wanted to predict where prices would be in the next 24 to 36 months, a graph like this could be very insightful. Let's look at 2016, 2017, where we had such record levels of completions. And what you saw during that period from 2017 to about 2019, you saw the market stagnate. We saw prices sort of level out, nothing really happening during that point. At the same time, population was pretty much tapering off. It wasn't doing much. And what we saw for that period, those three or four years, prices didn't really go up. I remember this vividly because I was active in the market. I was going up buying property and I could see the dynamics were very different to what I saw come 12 months later and then we have 2020 and what we see in 2020 is obviously population falls through the floor and you also have no one approving any buildings no one's going out there and building and it was peak fear what we started to see was a shift up in the population change because we did see a lot of people from overseas expats and things like that move back into the country but it was specific areas that where people were moving into and people were going out from the Sydney apartment to going out regionally an hour, two hours away from Sydney and buying a house. The same thing was happening with interstate migration. People didn't wanna live in Melbourne, so they moved up to Queensland and the areas like that just absolutely took off. You had so much demand come into the market with interest rates then falling where people couldn't buy for the last couple of years, suddenly could buy. All these banks started easing up all their lending restrictions and people were just flowing through with liquidity and were going out and purchasing property. So that's why we see the swing and that's why prices absolutely took off. Now, if you looked at this and say, okay, we see dwelling completions go down, we see population go up. If this is to continue and is an insight into where property prices will be, well, every time we've seen this dynamic play out, we've seen prices higher in 24 months than we have right now. This has played out for years and years here in Australia. So why would this time be any different? It's like the four worst words that you can hear. This time is different. And cycles usually will rhyme with each other. They're usually never different. It's just like different characteristics and humans like to think that this time could be different. And that's how they get wrecked. Trust me, I know because cryptocurrency 
wrecks a lot of people, including myself. So if you're in the hope of trying to purchase a property and you're saying, well, prices should come down because I heard online it should, but it's not, you might find yourself just chasing after this deposit amount that you really need. Now, there are some banks coming out and saying offering 3% deposits, 5% deposits, and getting investors involved as well, which is absolutely wild, but is a sign of things to come. I said about 12 months ago that the next phase of this cycle will have characteristics similar to previous cycles. And one of those characteristics was an ease in lending restrictions. So you see banks wanting to give out more loans. You'll then see interest rates start cutting, which means borrowing capacities increase, possibly buffer rates start to come down. And that's when you can start seeing more liquidity come back into the market. Right now with property prices going up, the government's like, cool, nothing's like, you know, cracking and the economy is not going to shit. But if we started to see prices come down or they start tapering off this year with an increased amount of listings, then you will definitely see a push towards having more liquidity into the system to keep the market frothy. And then we take off in 2025 and 2026. If you are interested in what my thoughts are around the rental crisis, how you can position yourself best this year for real estate, then definitely smash that subscribe button and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks guys.